previously on Sanctuary in downtown Seattle. That was the morning that Jose had come into Sanctuary at the church. What I remember most about that day was the, the feeling of satisfaction that whatever was unfolding, it felt like we were doing the right thing. That's something that you can only know by learning their story, not just judging by what you think is wrong or right, because sometimes doing the wrong thing is the only right thing to do. Do they want to seek sanctuary? Obviously, that's a decision that people make, I think, when there's great risk to their family being separated. I have some clients right now that have a bag by the door because they know that their parents can be picked up at any time. Week by week, we're telling this story of sanctuary in downtown Seattle through the voices of the people involved. Unless you've been hiding under a rock, you've probably noticed that Jose's story has taken a turn. This week, we'll take a look at everything that happened last Wednesday and hear from Pastor Joanne Inquist. I promise you, this is not the end of this story. We've taken a bit of a break from releasing new episodes, and um, since we last recorded, Jose Robles was finally granted his U-Visa certification from the Pierce County Prosecutor's Office. So last Wednesday, after over a year in sanctuary and with a possible form of relief, a stay, and an appeal pending in the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals, Jose decided it was time to leave Gethsemane Lutheran Church and go to the ICE office in Tukwila to file a stay of removal. For this past year, we've grown as a justice-building, peaceable movement of love. We've not just offered sanctuary, we have ourselves come sanctuary, a haven in a stormy time. Together, we have been readying ourselves for this day, knowing truth nothing, nothing could make us totally ready. But Jose says, the time is now. It was time to leave Gethsemane this morning and gather here at Riverton Park, and soon it will be time to walk to USCIS to cry out for change. Many people showed up to accompany him. The group of supporters marched around a mile, singing songs and holding signs in support. We are friends of Jose Robles, and we are singing, singing for our Lord. We are friends of Jose Robles, and we are singing. After a brief rally outside the ICE offices, Jose thanked everyone and disappeared into the building with his attorney. Around 30 minutes later, we got word that Jose had been detained. Today, we chat with Pastor Joanne about the situation and to find out more about next steps. Free Jose! Free Jose! Free Jose! Free Jose! Free Jose! 
seen the, you, I assume you saw the Seattle Times piece. Yeah. Yep. And I remember last July recording some things, you know, to try and get out ahead of stuff. And not ever getting to the place where we actually released that. And, and there's a huge piece between wanting to advocate the, wanting to promote the very best parts of Jose. Mm-hmm. Uh, but not really wanting to go to the good immigrant because that creates the bad immigrant, right? Like, we don't, immigration policy isn't exclusively based on an individual's goodness or lack thereof. And I think the, the reporters who want to get at that angle are missing something altogether about the whole point of this is that our law provides for the fact that a victim of a crime has a legal relief and it's important not just for that individual but for the whole community because it provides protection. It, it, if people will, will refrain from reporting crime, the gangs get to rule the day. Mm-hmm. And so it's essential to all of us that uh, people really are able to report and feel safe reporting. And that's the reason we're backing Jose's case, is that he's, he's got a legal remedy. And this country decided that that's an important thing to do. So, okay, so I have a couple of thoughts on yeah. this. Um, my first thought is, I don't think they care. The, uh, the Times article that you're talking about specifically I think they add that stuff in there because it's going to create arguments and people are going to respond and Mm -hmm. say, oh, yeah, that's why we got to get them out of here. And then other people are going to come to the defense and say whatever. They're not concerned about it feels like I shouldn't just give blanket statements, but it feels like they're less concerned about like painting an honest story as they are like, I mean, they're a a business. Agitating. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, it was interesting because I had one person say to me, oh, don't be, don't be upset about that because the bigger pieces that you landed on the front page of the Seattle Times where people will see and the ones who are going to clamber to help because they've seen it on the Times front page, that's going to make a difference. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> okay. <laughs> I still like the King 5 story better because... It seemed like it wanted to talk about immigration and the the need for you know U visas and for police and uh, community officials to to treat people equally, rather than to stop and say, oh no, well we don't re- we don't really want your kind or you in this place, right. so we're not going to help you. Was part of the reason Jose was chosen to be in sanctuary, or a big part, small part, because he had that potential legal remedy? Hmm. Well, the way it works is you're not really chosen to be. It's not like we we went out and looked at a ball full of sure immigrants and said, "You, we like you. You mm-hmm. fit the demographic," or something. Uh, when I think pretty much historically, it's been true that churches receive people in sanctuary who present themselves asking for sanctuary right 
and that a little side note on that is the other the other piece in the media that's really bothering me is when people call it hiding in the church because from the first day we had you know a press conference and said we're exercising our right to to do this and to welcome him and mm-hmm. we didn't hide him we never we never did that so um why jose yeah i mean it he's a great candidate for it because he has a legal remedy and because he could uh we we at gethsemane had decided that the only persons we would take would be public uh so i heard on the on the way in on KUOW people discussing why aren't there like tons of people in sanctuary well the first place is is kind of hard work mm-hmm. uh, to to create a network that can care for an individual or families so that's a piece of it it's a little bit of risk uh, that that communities feel in terms of extending themselves in that way but also because to be public about one's own case and life is asking a lot yeah and and not everybody's going to be up for it so i think it wasn't just courageous for jose to go into the ice office this week at uscis i think it's been courageous for him to stand up week after week month after month and say i want to stay with my family i want to be here i haven't always done everything right but I'm I'm trying to do the best I can in my community and in my household and let me have a chance. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that that really puts into perspective some of the uh less flattering stuff that has been uh written the fact that we're not nobody's perfect and not that you uh want to make light of things but Right, and I think, you know, I'm wearing my Brian Stevenson shirt today that says each of us is more than the worst thing we've ever done. Um, I first heard him say that on on a TED Talk, I think it was, and then read it in his book, Just Mercy. It's become a really important learning for me, not just in the case of sanctuary, um, but in the case of my own life and in ministry, to, to think about how important it is to hold that at the center that my job is not to try and figure out who is most deserving my job is to respond to the people in need when i'm when i have something that can attend to them right so now when when this stuff comes out a lot of people were pressing you know did you know about this beforehand and when did you know and how did you know what would that mean for sanctuary and all this and i thought um <clears throat> i have known a long time uh and we didn't receive jose into sanctuary because he was a perfect person mm-hmm. we received jose into sanctuary because he asked for relief right and as we came to know him we understood that their family had some struggles at times he individually had struggles at times uh, and he's been working on them and the person 
I know today, the person I've experienced this last year plus, is one uh, who's, who's actively working at that stuff to be the best person he can be. And more than anything else, whose family wants to stay with him. So, I don't know, I look at a lot of that stuff and think, I'm not sure that it's anybody's business. Um, if they got to a place where they could say, no, this things got out of control, but we're working on it and we're making it right. There, everything was dropped, right? Mm -hmm. Do you find it weird that people are shocked by you as a pastor doing what you're really called to do and what Jesus taught you to do? What do you mean? Well, like the things that you're talking about right now, like saying, uh, we're better than the worst thing we've ever done. You know, the quote on your T-shirt, yeah. um, Jose was in sanctuary because he asked to be in sanctuary. You know, these are all like, I hear them and I think, wow, that's revolutionary. Wow. And it's like, oh, I feel like I've heard that line of thinking <laughs> before. Who, who, oh, that's uh, right. Jesus. Jesus. Guy. Yeah, that's, that's right. who it was. Um, I, but I think that's been one of the shocking uh, things to me. Yeah, I think what's what's really great in this year, you know, the very first time you, you asked me about the question of why sanctuary and why we were doing what we do, I said something about the whatever else I know, I know that we're doing the right thing. Mm -hmm. And I think that was really evident as the two or three hundred people were flowing down the street uh, on Wednesday singing, we are friends of Jose Robles and we are singing for our lives. Um, and we are gentle, angry people. Uh, and we want justice for this man. And, and I knew it wasn't just a little, it wasn't just a little group. And it wasn't just uh, a little group of Christians, mm -hmm. but it was multi-faith. And we had leaders from uh, pretty much all the major religions and from uh, just human, human kindness and humanist concern. So it wasn't necessarily a religious piece. And it reminded me a lot of when I worked in Cambridge, Massachusetts. Um, we did a reconstruction of the space, and at the corner... In, the, in what was private land, but looked like it was the middle of the Harvard University campus, there's this uh, sign that we etched in, God is in the midst of the city. It's from Psalm 46. And I remember so many times people stopping and looking at that, and you could, you could like see the thought bubbles going off, both saying, really? Or what is this? Or... Yeah, and I think the same kind of thing was happening in this, in this grand procession as people were getting to know one another and saying, why are you here? Uh, what difference does it make for you? A whole lot of different perspectives came together under the same, same idea of supporting and valuing the way we treat immigrants refugees, asylum seekers, people who are different. Like, it could be any and all of those things, mm -hmm. right? And I think that's one of the pieces that 
that really animates it for me is thinking about how this isn't just about one person or one case. It's thinking about how is it that we are looking at our neighbors. Quite literally, Jesus talked about that. Who is your neighbor? Who acts in the neighborly way? Um, Because that's really what that story of the Good Samaritan is about, is not actually who, the question is who's my neighbor, but it gets reframed. It's the one who acts like a neighbor. Mm Mm-hmm. That's really what we're wanting to look at. Action, not not just being. Right. One of my conversations with uh, Jose's uh, daughters, uh, Brenda and Yuritzi, they, they said at first they were really concerned with all the comments everybody was making on news stories, and that was a big deal, and they wanted to reply to all of them, even though they didn't. And then eventually they just kind of learned to tune it out and say, not everybody's going to agree, but that doesn't, doesn't really matter. We're here for a purpose, for a reason, and that's so that, you know, to them, their dad could stay. Yeah, and I think that's such an important lesson in, in all this stuff, especially because of the, the way social media works mm-hmm. and the number of people who have seemingly limitless hours or maybe are just bots that are trolling. Right. But, you know, there is, there's, a, there's a lot of wisdom in saying, one, don't read the comments, and two, especially don't engage all the comments. And I have to say, the, the big piece of self-care for me on Wednesday, you know, we'd been going at it for quite a while. Mm-hmm. And uh, at one point, once the family, we'd all gotten settled again back at the church, I just said, okay, no more phone. And I just turned it off. And, of course, the next, by the time I turned it back on, there are all these messages from people saying, well, we want to ask you this question or whatever. And I think there's some piece about just saying we're, we're going to stand by what we're doing mm-hmm. and not worry about arguing with everybody about it. On the other hand, I can also say that we've been flooded with notes of support. And those are really encouraging to read as people around Seattle and really across the country have been uh, stepping up and signing petitions and saying, yes, okay, this is one moment, but now we're going to move on to the next thing. Uh, I sent out a letter to the, to the Sanctuary Network and to the congregation on on Wednesday night saying, you know, many people will think that we've failed because Jose's in detention. But I honestly don't believe that the network failed. I think we provided the necessary space so that Jose could uh, complete what was needed for his application, get that certification that, that Lakewood PD at first would not sign and never did, the prosecutor instead. But we pre- provided that space. He was able to uh, begin some of the recovery after the violent crime and get some treatment for that. He was able to be with his family during this very tense time of, of waiting and watching to see this and getting the Ninth Circuit uh, judicial stay. 
all those pieces happened because we could hold a space in sanctuary. And even though he's in detention today, we believe that he's safer because he's got all these protections. He has these legal options. He has a pending form of relief. He has the judicial stay, which uh, the ICE officers told his attorney on Wednesday they understood that he had that judicial stay and would not deport him. So we hold to that, and we hope. And, and now we have to act to get people uh, to sign the petition and to, and to write emails so that ICE will uh, urge USCIS to expedite the visa. Has anyone heard from Jose yet? Yes, I got to talk to him on Wednesday evening. Okay. Um, and it was amazing. We were driving back from the rally, and we were feeling pretty sad and pretty defeated at that moment. Yep. And it was rush hour, and it was horrible traffic and just tension. And uh, Jose's wife's cell phone rings, and it's an unknown number, and strangely enough she just answered it and it was him we don't we still don't know how he got minutes because we hadn't put in money for the commissary account and all that stuff that the big game that you have to play to get any communications Mm -hmm. um and then i got to talk to him too and what he wanted people to know was that he was okay uh, and that uh, he was at the northwest detention center and that he thanked people for coming uh, to be present with him. Wow. It it was, it felt so different after that. I mean, not like, oh, everything's fine now, but there was just some edge that came off. And uh, his daughter and granddaughter were in the car with us too. And mm-hmm. and after they talked talked to him, they just both fell asleep. And wow. I, I think it was a, just a perfect image of what edge could come off so that they could finally rest. How's the family doing? They're, they're doing the best they can. Mm-hmm. Um, we're working hard to try and figure out what, what can happen in terms of this communication stuff. Mm-hmm. We just set things up so that I sent my first message into the um, detention center today to his attention. So there's like this private for-profit app that you can download and you can put money on their account and they might be able to get messages out. You can put money on your own account and then you can get messages in and, you know, there's a surcharge for everything you deposit and then it's 25 cents for this and you know, upload a picture for this amount of money or whatever. You can get people access to tablets. I'm pretty sure they're fairly limited what they can look up in their right. those tablets, but it supposedly you can schedule video calls and things like that. So I'm hoping that we will be able to create that kind of communication path for the family. Well, I hope someone takes great pride in knowing they developed a way to take advantage of people who are already (laughs) in a really bad spot. That's great. That's capitalism in action for you. You got it. Holy smokes, that's awful. Yeah, and um, I mean, my heart rate was just 
accelerating so much through um, Thursday and into today because uh, the ways that you look somebody there, there's a an online tool that USCIS has for you to be able to identify where a person is and what how they're classified and so forth, mm -hmm. which all those things correlate to when you can visit or who can visit and all that stuff. Now, Jose isn't showing up in it. And I have all the right information, and I'm logging in and logging in, and I'm, like, starting to panic. This morning when I woke up, I, it took me about an hour and a half to get myself to go to the computer because I, w I did not want to see it again. I was like, I'm afraid of what this is going to answer. Mm-hmm. Sure enough, once again, it says zero results, zero matches. So I got in touch with his attorney, and she said, well, strangely enough, this app is a way that you can sometimes get the more accurate information, which also is pretty horrifying Yeah, <laughs> that the regular database of right. the United States government does not give you the information yeah. that supposedly is be available and there's a phone number but nobody ever answers it just yeah. goes to voicemail <laughs> of course surprise and, and, yeah <laughs> shocking that's this is also how we lose track of children we've separated from families right. and things like that exactly it it and i don't know like is it a giant conspiracy do they actually know where all these people are and they just have really horrible software or they have really good software, and they just choose not to tell us. And and all of it just kind of creeps me out. Yeah, and it seems to create a path for someone to make money, which mm -hmm. is really a strange... I still can't figure out why or how that works, but don't need to get lost down that rabbit hole. Um, but what led to the decision for now to be the time? There's been a lot of conversation about that. It's it's interesting because some people have been pushing and saying, look, this was like the most horrible week. Why would you choose this one with the, the threats of ice raids and, and all that? The answer's pretty simple. Um, there's a window of time that opened up from the time that the Ninth uh, Circuit uh, judicial stay was offered mm -hmm. and is open. And when and the completion of the U visa application, so it was it was a pretty narrow window of time, and it it seemed pretty important to me that, if possible, Natalie be able his nine year old daughter be able to finish her school year mm -hmm. without having to be interrupted with this. Yep. Of course, the ice raids and threats of that were not known at the time we set the date i was going to be on vacation and so jose wanted to wait until i got back so that i could accompany him in in the way that we had always intended yeah so the biggest piece is this window that the judicial stay offers and the application being complete for the u visa mm -hmm. um that's another piece i heard on the radio people discussing today you know like well why now and it, it was totally the wrong answer that was given and that did cause me to post something on Facebook but yeah you know I'm trying to trying to be judicious about how many of those how many times we have to clarify the answer yep and one of the 
one of the things that was posted on somebody's account, well-meaning, they just misheard something. Um, right now, U visas are processed in in about 50 to 51 months, according to the USCIS database. Five-zero. Now, four more years in sanctuary was not a realistic idea. Mm-hmm. Not because so much the church was saying, you got to get out of here, but nobody should live in a church building that long. So that's one piece also to sure. say, well, why not just wait this out longer? Well, the when the judicial stay is uh, up, he's even at greater risk of deportation. So that's why we want to get this expedited before that ends. What are the chances of it getting expedited? Or do we just not know? You we don't even know, really. Um, the, the best I understand is that ICE uh, needs to make this recommendation to USCIS. Now, if you ask me, just Joe Blow citizen, like, it is in this country's best interest to expedite those visas because we're paying hundreds of dollars a day to keep people in detention. Like, it's almost $800 a day. So why would you want to keep someone in detention right. for a longer period of time when, in fact, you could... Uh, review the case and and move forward. Yeah, but we're going to, you know, what is it, seven point something billion dollar uh, cut to education and things like that? Right. It's <laughs> and, and really, I mean, do I have a solution for what's going on at our southern border? No. I have some ideas about it. Sure. And, and one of them is get more people processing the cases because it's going to help us address these issues and you know I'm finding myself really shocked at how many times I'm turning back to the ideas that George W. Bush had (laughs) about immigration or today when the announcement came out about the possibility of dropping the refugee uh, admission number to as close to zero for 2020 as as they can manage uh, the quotes came back to Ronald Reagan, who said, you know, it's essential for us to continue to, to admit uh, new immigrants to our country because that is what makes America great. And you just sit there going, I, I'm, I'm wanting to, like, cheer for Ronald Reagan's policies? This cannot possibly be happening. But... It shows how far off the mark we've gotten from centered, grounded, principled understanding about migration. It seems like the people who you always thought they would just say something ridiculous. You know what I mean? It's like your racist uncle at Thanksgiving. You know, going into it, you're just dreading, oh, uncle so-and-so is going to say something. Please don't make me sit next to that person. Yeah, I don't want to sit. And they say it, and everybody rolls their eyes, and it's like, okay, that's over with, you know. Uh, And if somebody's had enough to drink, they will engage with them, and it goes south fast, right? Well, your racist uncle is now running the country, and they're all an echo chamber. How did these, how did this get so loud? Yeah, I don't, I had somebody tell me today that they thought, well, one of the things is that because the economy continues to to be 
pretty strong. A lot of people are still saying, well, I don't really care what he says about this, that, and the other thing because I'm doing okay. Right. And as long as I'm doing okay, I don't, I don't really need to get into this whole other part. And it was so shocking to me to hear it at first and then to say, oh, yeah, like, I get that. I understand that there's a difference here about whether our life is grounded in an idea that we care for somebody else and ourselves or we care for ourselves and not the other. That doing, I'm doing okay is kind of a relative thing though because oh, yeah. the, the situation uh, at the southern border, there is a reckoning for that. There are consequences for these things that are happening and we're not dealing with them well at the right. moment. I right. don't think by anyone's assessment, conservative or liberal, it's not going great. Um, and so maybe some new leadership could help <laughs> fix that, but that's a whole, that's a whole other topic. Um, what are the next steps? What do we need people to do? It's really important for people to, um, go on our website, sanctuarydowntownseattle.com. And I'll put a link in the show notes. And, uh, click the petition, uh, that will that will continue to say we care about this person and we want to make sure that we are going forward with um, asking ICE to, to move forward with the recommendation that USCIS expedite the U visa. That's just key. There are legal notes that I'm not the one to speak to that. Maybe in another time we can have some conversation with people from Colectiva that would, would fill in the next steps uh, for his legal team, but but really that first piece and, and continuing to put pressure and to show up at vigils when we have them. Um, and then as people are able and interested, there's a GoFundMe site for his legal expenses to help, help with that. Um, there's also an opportunity to give, you know, I challenged people the other day to give up an ice cream or a beer or a dinner out and take that money and uh, put it in the, the fund that will help either the legal expenses or just through Gethsemane's website uh, designated as sanctuary so we can help the family. Uh, because I think it's important for us to actually feel that connection. I have awakened... Uh, these last two mornings, absolutely aware that Jose is in jail. Right. And I remembered a conversation that was happening uh, when I was getting my hair cut a few years ago, and people in the next station over were talking about detention center. And they're like, oh, no, it's more like a hotel and like it's just a holding place and it's it's quite nice and everything and whatever and finally I had just had enough and I like swiveled my little chair around and was like people it's jail we need to understand yeah it is a bad bad situation to wake up in the detention center and so for me it's not even just about helping Jose by putting some money on a commissary card for him so he can buy some mac and cheese to go with 
you know, the measly little whatever they give him. It's about me remembering what I have and giving some little thing up to, to be more aligned and more connected because I think that's true and that's true for all kinds of people that are crammed into that place. Yeah. This just happens to be the person I know, but there are, what, thousands there who, who are in similar situations, and, and most of them are not getting visits, and most of them are not getting money on their commissary card and help from the outside. This thought just flashed in my head. I should have brought this up earlier when we were talking about the Times article and stuff. But isn't it interesting? We've never really had a chance to talk about one of your colleagues being deported. Um, Pastor Betty Radon. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And isn't it interesting that it really doesn't matter how you are perceived, you know? they, It's, right. it's pretty uh, well, indiscriminate. You, yeah, there was a, I think there was an op-ed piece in the Chicago Tribune that said, well, now I feel safer that we got rid of another Lutheran pastor because <laughs> whew, those people, they can be really, really rough. Yeah. And, I, I, uh, I suspect you might make some white folk nervous. Well, I probably. <laughs> my mother might be one of them. <laughs> um, I, think, I think it's just unbelievable because the rhetoric, the public discourse is i'm i'm going to get rid of the people who are threatening you who who pose a terrible risk to your safety and well-being and yet pastor betty didn't ever do anything right right she stood up to gangs in her home country and that's why she sought asylum here but because she didn't have police records from a corrupt police department to be able to substantiate it, we denied her asylum claim. And then end up sending her back to be at great risk in Colombia. And people just kind of go, oh, well, that's the exception. It, it's not the exception. There are all kinds of people who are just working hard and, and doing good things and great pieces of a fabric of humankind and and we're deporting them and and yeah i think it it's just devastating to look at what what happens to all kinds of communities in the midst of that mm -hmm. the congregation that lost its pastor the granddaughter and daughter who lost their 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 rock when betty left and her husband uh, I can say, though, that one of the brightest moments in my last couple of months was uh, getting uh, a text message from her saying, I'm safe, and thank you and thank everybody for caring and keep working for whoever's at risk near you. It's those kinds of things that make it possible to keep going on, mm -hmm. even even when the trolls are telling you you're a bad Christian because you're, you know, not separating these people out or throwing them out or whatever. And, or the people who are just saying, well, we don't have room here for those people. You know, the other thing that's lost beyond uh, the uh, 
the community losing its pastor and that stuff is every day the belief in the American dream and that that thing that it represented for so long becomes more and more tainted. Mm-hmm. And uh, with all the concern we have about athletes taking knees and things like that and what that means, um, that really, uh, it it's sad. It's super sad, and I, I I think that's where when we touched on it before, I I just can't quite grasp how we've shifted so dramatically mm-hmm. in in just a couple of years. And and yes, some of it has been building for a while. Mm-hmm. Certainly, there were a lot of policies around immigration that Barack Obama had that I did not agree with. Right. Uh, and I'm not trying to say that he was perfect and this guy's, you know, the antithesis. But it didn't have, it didn't have the same depth or breadth, and he listened more when people started to say, this is, this is not what, what, who we are. Right. Like, Stop. You know, someone told me that the president is really more a uh, symbolic appointment and they don't really have that much power. And I don't know why I kind of believed them. <laughs> but we're, we're learning now they have uh, the president is pretty powerful. Exactly. And I think what's really striking is that at least many people have argued that the evolution of the office has not... Um, been consistent with the evolution of other things in America. And mm-hmm. so even the way we elect people, we it we don't have the right we haven't made the right shifts in in our couple hundred years of figuring this stuff out to actually ask different questions of who is going to be elected to this office and how they're going to run things. Camus said, I should like to be able to love my country and still love justice. And that's been one of the things that's really been sticking with me of late is that it's harder and harder for me to love my country because I don't think we're, we're working for liberty and justice for all. I don't even know that we're doing liberty and justice for a few anymore. But I don't think that it's the place that we're supposed to come down to as Americans. In the words of Pastor Joanne, what a day, what a week, what a year. Again, this is not the end. Please visit our website at www.sanctuarydowntownseattle.com to find out how you can support Jose and get involved. Thank you to Pastor Joanne for making the trip out to our studio in the midst of this hectic time. This podcast is produced by Seekers, along with the Church Council of Greater Seattle.